Filthy Henry and the Impossible Victim, Chapter 13. Shelley followed Downey through the maze of offices and corridors that made up the interior of Pierce Street Garda Station as best she could. She had seen the station from outside many times over the years. Living in Dublin City, it was hard not to have passed it at least once given its proximity to Trinity College. But never had she imagined it was so confusing to navigate beyond the front door. If anything, it seemed to have been purposely built and designed this way, presumably to confuse anyone who was lucky enough to escape from a cell. What could be worse than a Greek labyrinth with multiple minotaurs in it, impeding your attempt at freedom? The cells are down this way on the right, Downey shouted back to her. As the alarm bell continued to ring, they met a number of rank-and-file Garda coming towards them, heading for the fire assembly points. A few high-ranking officials stood at the end of some stairs, directing people in a chaotic fashion. One of these officials reached out and grabbed Downey as they ran past. Downey! Wrong way! I need to check on the cells, Downey said, stepping out of the way of the two guard as they jogged past. The official waved his hands in the air. There's no need, he said. I just saw young O'Shea down that way, wearing a fire marshal's vest. Said he had checked the cells were empty and was going to make sure nobody checked again. All clear that way. Now get your backside in gear. Shelley could see how this conversation was about to go and knew that the end result would be bad for Filthy Henry. Spying three more Garda headed their way, she ducked behind Downey, waited for the three men to block her from the senior Garda's view, then ran off in search of the cells. At the first turn right, Shelley spotted Trent O'Shea, standing in front of a closed door, wearing a bright yellow high-visibility vest over his clothes. He seemed very interested in watching whatever was happening behind the door through a small window set in it which meant Trent did not see Shelley approach at all. Oh, you little snake, Shelley said to herself. She looked about the hallway and saw a fire extinguisher hanging from a hook on the wall. Clearly the Garda were trained to evacuate rather than combat a fire situation. Either that, or the lads in the station were just happy to be getting outside for whatever reason. Shelley supposed that guards did not go around putting out fires in the same way that the fire brigade did not go around arresting people. She took the extinguisher off its hook and ran towards Trent, raising the metal cylinder up and over her head as she went. With the bottom of the cylinder aimed directly at the Garda's temple, Shelley put all her strength behind a swing and slammed it into Trent. There was a very satisfying thud and he fell face forward to the ground. Then, because she simply could not help herself, Shelley pointed the nozzle of the fire extinguisher at the unconscious man and sprayed him with white foam. There was no denying it. Mr. Ear was fast. Too fast, one might say. But it was a fastness brought about not from magic. Which meant the guy probably trained day and night like some sort of supervillain wanting to take on a Cape Crusader. Either that, or he just enjoyed killing so much he had made it a fluid art form. It was possible both were correct answers. Neither of these thoughts brought Filthy Henry any real comfort as he dodged another swipe at his face. He had tried to send two more mini fireballs towards the lawyer assassin, but again they had missed. One had sailed past him and erupted against the wall, while the second had caused Mr. Ear's briefcase to explode, an explosion that suggested it had contained something highly flammable. It should not have been possible to move the way he did, 
but Mr. Ear practically danced through the air. Any other spells that might have been useful required a lot more magic in the tank than the fairy detective possessed currently. He doubted very much if his would-be killer wanted to stop and grab a bite to eat before they continued. Despite the literal life-or-death battle he was partaking in, Filthy Henry had noticed that since losing his wig, Mr. Ear's facial familiarity had increased. The fairy detective decided to file the information away for later, assuming there would be a later to look up such mental files, and tried to come up with a non-magical method for escape. Short of hiding in one of the cells and hoping that a knife was the only weapon Mr. Ear had, Filthy Henry figured his situation was bleak. He backed up against the door that Trent had locked and stared at the lawyer assassin. There was a chance, a trick used to kill poor bulls for entertainment value, that might just work in this instance. All Filthy Henry had to hope for was that the human seeking to kill him was as easy and quick to anger as a fairly dim-witted animal. You know, I don't even think you're a real killer, the fairy detective said, tensing his body for a quick move. Filthy Henry was not sure what he had expected to happen. A bull, when shown a coloured flag that is typically red, would paw at the earth and charge with horns aimed down. Mr. Ear just continued to slowly move forward, smiling. Witty banter, the lawyer assassin asked. That's what you resort to. Most men I've killed will beg for their life, or at least try and fight me to keep it. You throw some little flame balls at me, like a common stage magician, and then start telling jokes. I was told to expect more from you. Where's the sport? If killing people had suddenly become a sport, Filthy Henry was fairly sure he had missed the memo. From the other side of the door, there came a loud thud, clearly audible, even with the alarm bell ringing. Something banged against the little glass pane. The fairy detective risked a quick glance over his shoulder and was greeted with the face of Shelley looking in. I've come to get you out, she shouted through the glass. We'll get on with it then, Filthy Henry yelled back, turning just in time to see Mr. Ear put two and two together and pick up his pace. The lock in the door clicked and Filthy Henry felt the handle pull down against his back. He stepped forward to clear some space for the door to open. Just as Shelley pushed it open, Mr. Ear leaped through the air, knife held firmly in front of him. The fairy detective waited until the last possible second then ducked, punching upwards so as to hit the lawyer assassin in the stomach when he sailed overhead. Mr. Ear took the impact, grimaced on contact, and careened into Shelley out in the hallway. They both fell to the ground, Mr. Ear seemingly grabbing a hold of Shelley's stomach. His momentum carried them along the floor until they slammed into the wall. Filthy Henry got up and jumped over the unconscious and incredibly foamy body of Trent O'Shea. He looked down at Shelley and felt his heart stop. Think he may have nicked me, Shelley said, her hands pressed on her stomach around a large and spreading blood spot. Oh, crap, Filthy Henry said. He spotted a fire extinguisher on the ground beside Trent's head. Not wanting to give Mr. Ear the chance to get back to his feet, Filthy Henry lifted the red container and threw it at the lower assassin. It bounced off the man's skull with a satisfying and hopefully painful thud. The fairy detective knelt down beside Shelley and lifted up her top a little to check the wound. Blood poured out from a gash just beneath her ribs on the left side. It trickled to the ground like horribly discoloured custard. This may sting, Filthy Henry said as he lay his hands on either side of the wound. Shelley let out a cry of pain. With his last remaining drops of magic, 
the fairy detective attempted to heal Shelley. Healing spells were tricky ones to get right. A common misconception was that the magic somehow repaired any damage a person currently had instantly. The truth was that the magic simply sped up the healing process, which the body would have done on its own. There was a price to this, however. For the body to get the requested wounds healed, it borrowed healthy, for want of a better word, parts from elsewhere. Which was why healers spent years perfecting their craft, knowing exactly how much to coax from a person before the healing started to do more harm than good. Filthy Henry had used healing spells in the past, mainly on himself though. They took a considerable amount of power to just close a paper cut, or reduce the swelling of a black eye, given during a heated debate. He had never tried to heal somebody else, mainly because the amount of magic needed to do the job generally prevented him from being able to practice. But this was Shelley. He closed his eyes and focused on the wound, allowing the magic to flow from him, down his arms, and into the knife wound. As the spell kicked in, Filthy Henry mentally saw the wound and just how far down the damage went. Mr. Ear's knife had sliced open the skin and also cut a number of organs inside. At least he thought there were organs. The fairy detective had never really paid attention during biology class in school, a fact he was now regretting. As near as he could tell, the knife had pierced Shelley's stomach, the acid weeping outside and damaging other nearby parts. Filthy Henry knew enough about the human body to know that this was bad, so he focused the magic down there first. Little particles of light floated down, in his mind at least, and lined up on either side of the hole in Shelley's stomach. They started to move gently forward and pushed the two sides of the wounded area together. Then, without warning, the spell stopped. Shelley let out another cry of pain. What's wrong? she asked, her eyes firmly closed. I don't know. Filthy Henry said, opening his eyes and looking down at his blood-covered hands. The wound had grown bigger and was bleeding more profusely. As he realised this, Filthy Henry was hit with an excruciating wave of pain that ran through his entire body. He doubled over from it, barely managing not to collapse into Shelley. He knew exactly what had just happened. For the first time in a couple of decades, Filthy Henry's internal magic reserves were completely empty, and to try and generate some more, his fairy side had started to consume his body. If he did not eat soon, things would get very uncomfortable. To make matters worse, it looked like the minor amount of healing he had done for Shelley had only caused more problems than it had solved. We need to get you to a proper healer or something, Filthy Henry said. Can you walk? Coin, Shelley said through gritted teeth. Filthy Henry knew exactly what she meant, as he noticed for the first time that she had on his trench coat he reached into the right pocket and pulled out Dagda's coin. A glint on Trent's belt caught his attention. A set of shiny, Garda-issued handcuffs were hooked onto one of Trent's belt loops. Nine times out of ten, Filthy Henry knew that the best way to avoid a fight was to delay it, and right then he could think of nothing better to delay a killer than to cuff him to a Garda. Even a useless and seemingly corrupt one such as Trent O'Shea. He pulled the cuffs off slapped one bracelet around Trent's left wrist, then dragged the Garda over to the lower assassin and attached the other cuff to Mr. Ear's right wrist. A quick search in the pouches on Trent's belt resulted in the handcuff keys being found. Filthy Henry took these and flung them down into the cells. With Dagda's coin firmly gripped, he went back to Shelley and held her hand. 
This may hurt, he said. A lot. Then the fairy detective teleported them away. The lunchtime rush had ended. The evening rush was about an hour away yet, which meant Bunty Dooley's bar was as quiet as a grave on a non-Halloween night. Tables were devoid of glasses, all the seats empty of patrons in varying stages of inebriation. All in all, you could almost have described the scene as peaceful. Peaceful, that is, until Filthy Henry appeared in the middle of the bar with an eruption of magic. His arrival was announced not just by his presence, but by a small circle of space cleared out in the centre of the bar floor. Furniture was forced back, and those few pieces that refused to move were destroyed instead. A circular wave of magical energy pushed everything away, leaving Filthy Henry standing with Shelley cradled in his arms. Bunty Dooley came running out from a back room, with three ice balls swirling over her black hair and two more prepared in her hands. She scanned the area quickly, spotted the fairy detective and glared at him. What the hell do you think you're doing? She asked, the ice balls in her hand causing a slight mist to float around her arms. Filthy Henry didn't care. He was too exhausted from his earlier magical acts and could feel his human side being consumed by his fairy blood in order to replenish his magic supply. He dropped to his knees and just looked directly at Bunty Dooley. Help me, he said, shifting Shelley's limp form towards the fairy before he toppled forward. Then Filthy Henry passed out. Shelley awoke in a strange room. Not strange from the point of view that it was somebody else's room, or a room not her own. There was that element of strangeness to the room as well. The lack of familiarity kind of strange. But this was a strange room on a whole different level. For starters, she was not lying down in a bed. She was floating in the air. Literally floating, like a leaf on the wind. There was a sensation of a cushion holding her up. A floaty bag of air or something. But when she rolled over onto her side, she could see there was nothing suspending her at all. Shelley decided to stay as still as possible and float on her back. From this vantage point, Shelley inspected her surroundings. She saw jars arranged on a far wall with strange coloured liquids in them. Colours Shelley, as an artist, could not name if she tried. Along one wall, a large bookshelf stood, crammed with arcane and ancient-looking tomes. Not just big books, but actual tomes that suggested their contents held real power. Some had golden spines that seemed to change design in the light the longer you looked at them. Others gave the impression that they were looking back at you. The walls and ceiling were painted with strange symbols in a light blue paint. They looked very pretty, but Shelley guessed that they served a more important purpose than to beautify a room. Oddly, despite all the strangeness, Shelley felt totally at ease about the whole situation. This time a year ago, floating in thin air would have freaked her out. Now it just seemed practically blasé. Then the events of the past few hours came back to remind her of what had happened. Shelley moved her hands down to check where she'd been stabbed. Lifting up her shirt, Shelley probed with her fingers and found nothing. No pain, no blood, no torn flesh, nothing. Now that is interesting, Shelley said as she poked and prodded herself some more. To her left a door opened and Bunty Dooley entered the room, moving with such grace that it was mesmerising to watch. As she seemed to glide across the floor, Shelley could see what it was about her that Filthy Henry found so appealing. 
whether the fairy detective wanted to admit his attraction or not. Not only was she obviously his type in a physical sort of way, but her personality matched his own perfectly. It was not often that Shelley had seen the fairy detective not be a complete wise-ass to someone. You're awake then, that's good, the sea said as she walked over to the table with some candles lit on it. You may want to prepare for the drop. The drop? Shelley asked. Auntie Dooley blew out the candles with a single breath, indicating she must have been brilliant at birthday parties, and Shelley felt the magical air suspending her dissipate in an instant. One second she was floating, the next the ground rushed up to slap her hard on the back and remind her just how the world really worked. That drop, Bunty said, before she began to tidy up the candles on the desk. Well, you could have warned me, Shelley said, pushing herself up into a seated position. I mean, you'd swear you don't like me or something. Bunty closed the lid on her candle box and looked down at Shelley. It was hard to tell what part she was staring at exactly, since the sea had no discernible pupils in her eyes, just two blue-coloured ovals that seemed to see everything. After a couple of seconds, Bunty gave a shrug. I don't really like you, she said, in a very matter-of-fact way, then walked over to a chest and stored the candle box inside. Being an Irish girl, born and bred, Shelley was used to this sort of female dislike throughout childhood. Some girls just enjoyed being nasty and mean to other girls for no valid reason at all. Zoning in on a tiny fault or flaw that most people would ignore. Of course, being able to get a glimpse into the fairy world, something that Shelley had been able to do her entire life without realising it or being able to fully control it, did not help matters. If anything, Psycho Shelley, spelt with an S, was a popular, if incorrectly spelled insult scrawled on a few toilet doors over the years. But to have somebody who barely knew her come right out and say she disliked her, well that was a first for Shelley. Over the last few months, helped largely because of Filthy Henry, Shelley had developed a bit of a backbone. Now that she knew the things she had seen for a fleeting moment were actually real, it had helped her come out of herself. Where once she would have meekly accepted a declaration such as the one Bunty Dooley just made, now Shelley wanted to have a valid reason given for it. She got up from the floor, brushed herself down and stood in what she hoped was an imposing stance. Not that I'm ungrateful for the healing and all that, she said. But just what have I done to you? You make him care, the sea said, cutting Shelley off. He never used to care. It was all just about money and being smarter than everybody else. Now suddenly you show up and he starts caring. Shelley was confused. That's a good thing, surely. I improved the fairy detective. You should be thanking me. Bunty Dooley rested against the table and folded her arms. I don't think you understand. It isn't. Before he would never let his magic get that low. Never mind so empty that his human size started to get converted. Now suddenly somebody hurts you and he willingly pushes every ounce he has back into payback. Look what he did to that Bram Stoker. Burnt the vampire author into the cobbles of Grafton Street. All because he had done a terrible thing to you. You get stabbed and he tries a complicated healing spell on his own. When already low on magic. He isn't being as careful as he once was because of you, which is a bad thing, much as every fairy would hate to admit it. We need him. He's one of us. The Bram Stoker incident had been how Shelley had met Filthy Henry. It turned out that the author had been turned into a vampire by a fairy race of Irish vampires after Dracula had been published. 
he had also been responsible for the theft of a crock of gold from a very important leprechaun, resulting in a dramatic magical battle in the city centre between Stoker and Filthy Henry, one that had wound up causing Shelley to get knocked out and badly hurt. But that was because he thought Bram had killed me, Shelley said by way of a very weak defence. That's how his version of the story goes, Bunty Dooley said. Regardless, you need to get better at not getting hurt. His human body can't take being drained by his fairy side. It's beyond dangerous. Once that process begins, he only has a few hours at best. Shelley noticed the little dig at Filthy Henry's story of what happened a few months ago. Almost as if there was another tale to be told. Right then, however, it didn't matter because she wanted to know how the fairy detective was. Wait a second. Did you say his human side was getting consumed? Where is he? Is he all right? She asked, concerned that the fairy detective really had gone and caused himself some harm on her account. It was clear to her that the sea was not going to change her mind any time soon. Bunty Dooley narrowed her eyes and glared at Shelley. He's in the next room, eating. I had to give him some magic to stop the consumption of his human side. He'll need a little healing before you leave as well, to try and reverse the damage done. Bunty Dooley looked accusingly at Shelley. Yeah, 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 Shelley said, waving her hand in the air as she walked over to the door. Damage that I caused by being around. I get it. She stopped with her hand on the doorknob and looked over her shoulder at Bunty. You know, we could have been friends. He doesn't have that many. The few of us that he does have, we shouldn't fight amongst ourselves. Not waiting to see if the statement landed, Shelley turned the doorknob and left the room. Filthy Henry, The Impossible Victim is book two of the Filthy Henry series by Derek Power. This completely free audiobook version was narrated by Niall Milton. Other Filthy Henry books are available to buy on Amazon Kindle.